Today is Pentecost. And so the question is, what is Pentecost? So Pentecost really is in the Torah. So it's, it's an Old Testament. It's an Old Covenant festival. Uh, Shavuot is the uh, word for the festival of weeks. It is the festival of first fruits. It's the uh, wheat harvest festival, really. It's also the festival of the giving of the Torah, the giving of uh, the law. And there was really a, a really interesting comment about that. It's not the receiving of the law, uh, because God gave the law to Moses on Mount Sinai, and as the Jew studies the Torah day by day, he's receiving Torah at that time. It's really a difference between the giving and the receiving. It was a kind of an incredible deal. It was a pilgrim feast, so that meant all the Jews that were in the diaspora outside of uh, Judea at the time of Jesus, so that could have been as far away as Rome and this big circle. You'll see a map in a moment. Uh, three times a year, they would make their way to Jerusalem for a pilgrim feast. And it was a holiday. There was no work being done for a couple of days. And it really was a party time. There were specific things uh, that were done with sacrifices and offerings as prescribed in the law, the Torah. Now, it's at that time in the new covenant, you know, there's an old and there's a new. And we've, we've crossed over, you know, we've gone cross resurrection, new covenant. It's that time. We're at this pilgrim feast where we're like Jews are gathered into Jerusalem. And it's a time where you're celebrating the giving of the law that now God gives the spirits. Interesting that God would choose. This is the time that the coming of the Holy Spirit to indwell and empower the followers of Jesus to witness the cross the resurrection, and the king. King is the English word for the Hebrew word Messiah. And I, I, want, I want to keep saying king because when we talk about kingdom, when you have a kingdom, you have a king. The kingdom of God has a king. That king is Jesus. That's Messiah, king. And it's also the birthday the, the ecclesia, the church was given birth on the day of Pentecost. So those are, that's kind of the combining of history as we come together. This is the story of Pentecost. Kind of pre-story and then the day. After his suffering, Jesus presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. If you look elsewhere, there are about 500 people that were eyewitnesses to the bodily resurrection of Jesus. So, I mean, you can doubt it all you want, but the reality is the New Testament is a record, a historical record, the most accurate historical record that we have when you compare it to any other historical book. And you have 500 people that said, I saw him. That's pretty hard to deny. And I understand resurrection is unusual. It's not an everyday event. I get it. But God does supernatural things in history. This is one of those things. This is what my faith stands on. Jesus is alive. He showed up 40 days, all these people. And while he was with them, he ordered them not to leave Jerusalem. Wait there. Wait in Jerusalem for the promise of my Father. This, he said, is what you've heard from me. 
John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And when they had come together, the disciples, 120 of them at this time, all 120 are Jews who have begun to follow Jesus. And I'd, again, I'd underscore, they'd never, they didn't stop being Jews. They didn't convert from Judaism to Christianity. There was no Christianity to convert to. The New Testament is not about the conversion of one religion to another religion. It's about people who start to follow Jesus. These are Jewish background believers that start to follow Jesus, 120 of them. They say, well, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? Which he does not answer. Which I would suggest to you the rest of the book of Acts will answer that. So he says, it's not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. The Father will deal with Israel as the Father will deal with Israel. But you, what I want you to focus on, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And when that power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses. The witnesses of the cross, the witnesses of the resurrection, and the witnesses of the kingdom. That's within the context. In Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So now they're waiting in anticipation for that day to come. He said it's not very long from now. So the day came when the day of Pentecost, the festival of Shavuot, the Hebrew festival, this pilgrimage festival is happening. On that day, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind. And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them. And a tongue rested on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak in languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews, pilgrimage feast. Devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem, visiting Jerusalem for the feast. And at the sound, the sound of the wind and the sound of the languages, they gathered, they were bewildered, because each one of them heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all of these Galileans who speak Aramaic or Hebrew? How is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. Cross, resurrection, kingdom. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? What's God up to? What's happening? And then there are others, like some of us, that sneered, oh, they're just drunk. They're just filled with new wine. 
They're part, it's party time, remember? They've just partied a little bit more than others. So that's the question. What does this mean? What does this mean in history for God to break into humanity in this way? What does it mean? Well, it means the first 120 Jewish followers of Jesus are baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's what it means. It means that the Holy Spirit empowered these 120 to give witness concerning the cross, the resurrection, and the King. And those that, that, that Holy Spirit's empowering them to speak about God's deeds of powers to the pilgrims that are visiting Jerusalem from the nations. So what does it mean? It's really there's this global witness that is being given to the cross, to the resurrection, and the kingdom. And notice... Notice the big, notice where all these people have come from. This event gives birth to why we're here today. And as I've walked with Jesus and enjoyed Jesus, and I've thought about this, I've always kind of thought, you know, I'd love to be, I'd love to be in a place, all of a sudden the wind starts blowing and all of a sudden, you know, the doors open up, the wind comes, all of a sudden, like, fire's resting on everybody's head, and all of a sudden, the, the, all, that's never happened. So what is it that you and I can walk away with as we celebrate Pentecost? And what I want to suggest to you, I want us to walk away in a celebration of Pentecost, not so much... With the power of God, I mean, the power of God is the power of God, and the power of God we need. I, I don't, I don't, yeah. It, the gifts of God, uh, yeah, the Holy Spirit brings gifts. That, those are important. Now, I don't want to say power and gifting is not important, but what I want to say most important before all of that is the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person, He's not a power, He's not a wind, He's not fire, He's a person. He's a very, very important person. So I just visited back in John. When Jesus introduces the Holy Spirit, so he's talking to the first 12. And he says this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, helper, Greek word, paraclete. To be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive. Because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him. Because he abides. In you all. And he will be in each of you. The con- Again there's these connections between the old and the new. I mean, Jesus is the fulfillment of the old, and so we need to kind of travel down that path. Love and obedience is not something new. Within Deuteronomy, in the Torah, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. The nation of Israel, a covenant nation, you've got to love God. And if you do love God, you'll obey God. If you will only obey the Lord your God by diligently observing all His commands. If you love me, you're going to do what I'm asking you to do. Notice, it's, it, it doesn't really 
I mean, the, it's like the same words when you get to Jesus. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I'll love them and reveal myself to them. Love and obedience. Those who love me will keep my word. My Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. So it's really been in God's heart. I'm looking for a people who will welcome me into their lives, who will love me, knowing that I love them, and I'm trying to direct them towards what's the very best in life. I want you to live well. Sadly, Israel, had, they had the first opportunity, but they took what God gave them and they turned it into something that it was not intended to be, and they lost their love of God. So then, then the father, I'm going to personalize, I'm going to send my son, whom they're going to fall in love with, the person of Jesus. Then we're going to start again. If you love me, you will obey. The paraclete that Jesus is introducing is not something new in the history of faith. The rabbis in the rabbinic period before Jesus, they're talking about paracletes. So they say, they say things like this. If someone is led to the place of judgment to be judged, he can be saved if he has great paracletes. Advocates, helpers. All the blank and blank which the Israelite do in this world are the great paracletes between Israelites and their father in heaven. The paraclete, a paraclete, it's a shield and judgment. So that's how it's being used. And so within the rabbinic tradition, these are all the things that were looked upon as a Jew practicing Judaism in the century before Jesus. Well, if we personalize the Torah, that will be our helper. The sacrifices will be our advocate. The wor- our works of piety, our conversion, our good works, our benevolence, our works of charity. The righteousness of earlier days and leaders, Moses or Michael, the guardian angel. If, if, you know, those are our helpers. Those are our advocates. And in the midst of that, the idea of the Holy Spirit being the paraclete was existed. It was maintained. It was developed. But if you just take a moment, if that's what paraclete meant in the world of the Jew that now begins to follow Jesus, does it not make sense to you that with that long of list, that that needed to be reduced? That there needed to be a focus based upon who Jesus is and then what Jesus is saying? Does that make sense to you? Could there not have been some confusion? He's talking about paraclete. Which one of the paracletes are you talking about? Does that make sense? So Jesus completes and he focuses by saying two things. One, my little children, John writes in 1 John, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin, disobey, so that you might not fall out of love with God and then start disobeying. I'm writing these things. I don't want you to fall out of love with God and disobey God. I'd rather you love God and obey God. But if, if you do stop loving God, you stop obeying God, we have a paraclete. 
We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And so then when Jesus says to these disciples, I will ask the Father and he will give you another paraclete, he's saying, I'm reproducing myself. So really the focus of the New Testament is, is, is not on this long list of what the paracletes, the helpers, the advocates could be for those following God. It's reduced Jesus and the Holy Spirit, period. And so the ministry of the paraclete is what Jesus is talking about. Let me go back to the rabbis and come forward because it's interesting what they say. It will be fulfilled with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit in the rabbinic literature has the twofold function of pleading with God for grace to his people. That's the advocate. My people are striving to love you and obey you, and they're falling short, so let's give them more grace. Let's advocate for them. And of reminding Israel of its duty to God. I need to help remind you that you are to love God and to obey God. Let me help you do that. That the advocate is not just a representative in the court of heaven. It's not just this advocacy at the judgment seat of God. But also the Holy Spirit warns people on the earth and helps keep them on the right way. So what that comes down to? If I bring all of that history and all of these people that are following Jesus contextually... It comes down to, as the, he, the writer of Hebrews said, there's a much better way here. Jesus has bought, he's brought something much better for all of us. He's saying the Holy Spirit is our advocate when we fall short in loving God and obeying him. We always have someone that will advocate for us before God. That means there is now no condemnation for us because we are in Christ Jesus. But it's not just there, it's also here. The Holy Spirit is our helper in loving and obeying God. I think every one of us, just as we had stories, Alyssa and Jason, they're they're talking about we're learning how to love God with what we have and obey God. And there were moments in their story that they're saying, well, wait a minute. The payoff here is not paying off in the way that I think it should. Therefore, maybe we should stop obeying God and kind of go our own way because there's lots of other people that do that. Right? So the Holy Spirit comes along and says, you know, I just want to encourage you not to do that. (laughs) The Holy Spirit just comes right alongside of us and says, "I I am here to help you. I understand that it is difficult to love. We, as human beings, as selfish, self-centered as we are, it is difficult for every one of us to love without all kinds of baggage wrapped around it. It, it, Am I I telling something about me that you don't know about you? So the Holy Spirit says, you know, I can produce the fruit of loving you. I can help you. I can help you love Love God. I can help you love people. I can help you love people that are different from you. I mean, I can help you. Because that would then be helping you obey what God says. Love the Lord your God. Love one another. 
Love, love those that are the lost, the least, the broken. Love. So the Holy Spirit is helping us forward to do what God's asked us to do. And notice, rather than this pilgrimage feast, we're not all packing up. Might be kind of fun. Let's all pack up and go on pilgrimage to Jerusalem once a year, three times a year. Say, no, you don't need to do that. You have someone that is forever with you. So the Holy Spirit has come. He's not going away. If we are following Jesus, the Holy Spirit is here. The Holy Spirit is here to advocate for us. The Holy Spirit is here to help us. And he's going to be here tomorrow and the next day and on and on and on through this present age and to the age to come. He is forever here. And we don't have to go there. He abides with us, not just in a temple. That temple has now been spread about the world through people and through a community. We now are the temple of God. Corporately and individually, the Holy Spirit's abiding. Every time we come together, the Holy Spirit is abiding with us. And he's right there for each of us and all of us to say, we, we need your help. We can't do this without you. And he's residing in us. Isn't that incredible? God, the Holy Spirit, lives in us. And we can have medical emergencies. It happens. Paul says, man, I'm falling apart on the outside, but interiorly, I'm being renewed day by day. Because why? Because the Holy Spirit lives within me. Incredible. So how do we live out Pentecost with that? Well, one, we ask the Holy Spirit to help us. We ask the Holy Spirit to advocate for us when we fall short. And we do that a lot. And he empowers us. I love to say to the Holy Spirit, when I'm being tempted, I say, Holy Spirit. I do, I do call him by his name. I don't call him, hey, fire, or hey, wind. I say, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, there's a, there's a temp, there is something tempting me. And he'll say, I know. And I'll say, Holy Spirit, if you don't empower me to say no to this temptation, I'm going to take the bait. He says, I know. Because you can't do it without me. And you've already tried too many times to do it without me. So have you learned you can't do it without me? I've said, yes, I've learned. I've learned I can't do it without you. So would you empower me to say no to whatever the presenting temptation is? You know what he says every time? I'd be glad to. (laughs) You know what he does? He empowers me to walk away. You know what happens when I walk away from the temptations? He reminds me of the sweetness of relationship with God. He reminds me of how good it is to love God. How good it is to obey God. Now, I don't do that perfectly. I'm not setting myself up as the champion of perfection. You know that, right? I still have my good days and bad days, but I have more good days than bad days. Because the Holy Spirit empowers me. He helps me 
And when I fall short, he advocates for me so that I am washed clean and I'm forgiven. I don't carry a lot of guilt around with me. And that, my friends, to me, that's how we bear witness to our neighbors and the nations concerning the reality of the cross and the resurrection, the king and his kingdom. You see, Pentecost is not just about our past. In some ways, I don't think God's going to repeat the past. He did something that, like, well, I mean, he just propelled us down through the ages. But what he will do today is he'll say, you know, I live in you. My home is within you. And I want to help you. And if you've been falling short, I want to advocate for you. It's all about relationship. So would you like to stand with, to stand with me? My, my encouragement is for us just to renew relationship with the Holy Spirit. There are times in our life that we all say, you know, I just, I just want to sit on Daddy's lap. And Abba, Father, says, great, climb up on my lap. There are other times we say, well, you know, I, God seems so big and so distant. I, 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 can't get my, I just can't get my mind around God, big God. So, Jesus, I, I get you, Jesus. It's like you're my brother, your flesh. I can grab onto you. And we like to renew that relationship, Father, Son. Holy Spirit, I think we probably leave him out of our lives more than anybody else. But he's always there. That's what's so crazy. So Holy Spirit, we just want to recognize you this morning. We want to recognize you not just in history, not in doing what you did on the day of Pentecost with the wind and the fire and the tongues and 3,000 people coming to know Jesus. That's awesome. That's wonderful. That's part of our history. We're not that far removed from that. But what we want to celebrate today is that right now, in this moment, you're here. And of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, you are the closest of the three to us right now because you live in us. You abide with us. You are forever with us. <laughs> Holy Spirit, renew our connection to you. Refresh us with your presence. Remind us that you're our advocate. When we have fallen short, you advocate for us. Grace and mercy is extended to us because you stand between us and judgment. And Holy Spirit, thank you that you want to help us. You want to help us in all of life, whether it's with parenting, whether it's in marriage, whether it's with finances, whether it's with the job, whether it's in the classroom. It just goes on and on. You want to help us live life well. And as a community of people, we welcome you. Be our helper. Be our advocate, paraclete. We receive you.
So I'd like to do one final thing, and that is Nathaniel and Adrian, if you'd kind of go stand over there. I'd like to direct us as we are saying farewell, if you would go by and hug these two and bless them.